Chapter Nine of the Countess of Charny by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Charny on guard. On the night of the ninth of August, the royal family supped as usual. Nothing could disturb the king in his meals, but while Princess Elizabeth and Lady Lumbia wept and prayed, the queen prayed without weeping. The king withdrew to go to confession. At this time the doors opened and Count Charny walked in, pale, but perfectly calm. "'May I have a speech with the king?' he asked as he bowed. "'At present I am the king,' answered Marie Antoinette. Charny knew this as well as anybody, but he persisted. "'You may go up to the king's room, Count, but I protest that you will very much disturb him.' I understand. He is with Mayor Petion. The king is with his ghostly counsellor, replied the lady, with an indescribable expression. Then I must make my report to your majesty as Major General of the castle, said the count. Yes, if you will kindly do so. I have the honor to set forth the effective strength of our forces. The heavy horse guards under Rulliers and Verdier, to the number of six hundred, are in battle array on the Louvre Ground Square. The Paris city foot guards are barracked in the stables. A hundred and fifty are drawn from them to guard at Toulouse House, at Need, the Treasury, and the discount and extra cash offices. The Paris mounted patrol, only thirty men, are posted in the Prince's yard at the foot of the King's back stairs. Two hundred officers and men of the old lifeguards, a hundred young royalists, as many noblemen, making some four hundred combatants, are in the bull's-eye hall and adjoining rooms. Two or three hundred national guards are scattered in the gardens and courtyards. And lastly, fifteen hundred Swiss, the backbone of resistance, are taking position under the grand vestibule and the staircases which they are charged to defend." "'Do not all these measures set you at ease, my lord?' inquired the queen. "'Nothing can set me at ease when your majesty's safety is at stake,' returned the count. "'Then your advice is still for flight?' "'My advice, madame, is that you ought, with the king and the royal children, be in the midst of us.' The queen shook her head. Your Majesty dislikes Lafayette. Be it so. But you have confidence in the Duke of Liancourt, who is in Rouen, in the house of an English gentleman of the name of Canning. The commander of the troops in that province has made them swear allegiance to the king. The Sally Shimad Swiss regiment is echeloned across the road, and it may be relied on. All is still quiet." Let us get out over the swing-bridge and reach the Etoile bars, where three hundred of the horse-guards await us. At Versailles we can readily get together fifteen hundred noblemen. With four thousand I answer for taking you wherever you like to go. I thank you, Lord Charny. I appreciate the devotion which made you leave those dear to you. To offer your services to a foreigner. The queen is unjust toward me, 
replied Charny. "'My sovereign's existence is always the most precious of all in my eyes, "'as duty is always the dearest of virtues.' "'Duty. "'Yes, my lord,' murmured the queen. "'But I believe I understand my own "'when everybody is bent on doing theirs.' It is to maintain royalty grand and noble, and to have it fall worthily, like the ancient gladiators who studied how to die with grace. Is this your majesty's last word? It is, above all, my last desire. Charny bowed, and as he met Mademoiselle Campan by the door, he said to her, suggest to the princesses that they should put all their valuables in their pockets as they may have to quit the palace without further warning while the governess went to speak to the ladies he returned to the queen and said madame it is impossible that you should not have some hope beyond the reliance on material forces confide in me for you will please bear in mind that at such a strait I will have to give an account to the Maker, and to man, for what will have happened. "'Well, my lord,' said the queen, "'an agent is to pay Petion two hundred thousand francs, and Danton fifty thousand, for which sums the latter is to stay at home, and the other is to come to the palace.' "'Are you sure of the go-betweens?' "'You said that Petion had come, which is something toward it.' "'Hardly enough, as I understood that he had to be sent for three times.' "'The token is, in speaking to the king, he is to touch his right eyebrow with his forefinger. "'But if not arranged?' "'He will be our prisoner.' and I have given the most positive orders that he is not to be let quit the palace. The ringing of a bell was heard. What is that? inquired the queen. The general alarm, rejoined Charny. The princesses rose in alarm. What is the matter? exclaimed the queen. The tocsin is always the trumpet of rebellion. Madame said Charny, more affected by the sinister sound than the queen. I had better go and learn whether the alarm means anything grave. But we shall see you again? asked she quickly. I came to take your majesty's orders, and I shall not leave you until you are out of danger. Bowing, he went out. The queen stood pensive for a space, murmuring, I suppose we had better see if the king has got through confessing. While she was going out, Princess Elizabeth took some garments off a sofa in order to lie down with more comfort. From her fichu she removed a cornelian brooch, which she showed to Mademoiselle Campan. The engraved stone had a bunch of lilies and the motto, Forget offenses, forgive injuries. "'I fear that this will have little influence over our enemies,' she remarked. "'But it ought not be the less dear to us.' As she was finishing the words, 
a gunshot was heard in the yard. The lady screamed. "'There goes the first shot,' said Lady Elizabeth. "'Alas, it will not be the last.' Mayor Petion had come into the palace under the following circumstances. He arrived about half-past ten. He was not made to wait, as had happened before, but was told that the king was ready to see him. But to arrive, he had to walk through a double row of Swiss guards, national guards, and those volunteer royalists called Knights of the Dagger. Still, as they knew he had been sent for, they merely cast the epithets of traitor and Judas in his face as he went up the stairs. Petion smiled as he went in at the door of the room, for here the king had given him the lie on the 20th of June. He was going to have ample revenge. The king was impatiently awaiting. "'Ha! Huh, so you have come, Mayor Petion,' he said. "'What is the good word from Paris?' Petion furnished the account of the state of matters, or at least an account. "'Have you nothing more to tell me?' demanded the ruler. "'No,' replied Petion, wondering why the other stared at him. Louis watched for the signal that the mayor had accepted the bribe. It was clear that the king had been cheated. Some swindler had pocketed the money. The queen came in as the question was put to Petion. "'How does our friend stand?' she whispered. "'He has not made any sign,' rejoined the king. "'Then he is our prisoner,' said she. "'Can I retire?' inquired the mayor. "'For God's sake, do not let him go,' interposed the queen. "'Not yet, sir.' "'I have something yet to say to you,' responded the king, raising his voice. "'Pray step into this closet.' This implied to those in the inner room that Petion was entrusted to them, and was not to be allowed to go. Those in the room understood perfectly and surrounded Petion, who felt that he was a prisoner. He was the thirtieth in a room where there was not elbow-room for four. "'Why, gentlemen, we are smothering here,' he said. "'I propose a change of air.' It was a sentiment all agreed with, and they followed him out of the first door he opened, and down into the walled-in garden, where he was as much confined as in the closet. To kill time, he picked up a pebble or two and tossed them over the walls. While he was playing thus and chatting with Roderay, attorney of the province, the message came twice that the king wanted to see him. No, replied Petion. It is too hot quarters up there. I remember the closet, and I have no eagerness to be in it again. Besides, I have an appointment with somebody on the Fouillance Quay. He went on playing at clearing the wall with stones. With whom have you an appointment? asked Roderay. At this instant, the assembly door on the Fouillance Quay opened. "'I fancy this is just what I was waiting for,' remarked the mayor. "'Order to let Mayor Petion pass forth,' said a voice. "'The assembly demands his presence at the bar of the house to give an account of the state of the city.' 
just the thing muttered petion here i am he replied in a loud voice i am ready to respond to the quips of my enemies the national guards imagining that petion was to be berated let him out it was nearly three in the morning the day was breaking a singular thing the aurora was the hue of blood end of chapter nine recording by john van stan savannah georgia